Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and as always, with my friend, business partner, and one of the snarkiest people I know, who loves to just needle the living crap out of me. Jason, how you doing? You, sir, are very welcome. That's, <laughs> that's what I have to say there. You are a little brother. Yeah. I am an elder brother. Yeah, yeah. And despite you being six months older than me, yes, you, you absolutely get treated yeah. As a little brother. Yeah, no one so. would know that given your hair color, but go on. Yeah. So you're very welcome. Yeah. So this has been a fantastic week. We got to start the week in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to spend some time at a couple of cracking distilleries out there, oh. meet some important gentlemen within those distilleries, yep. Yep. select some whiskey while we're out there. Lovely I time. will say, I will say, as much as it was a wonderful, wonderful week, and here we are now recording a bourbon podcast. I don't want our single malt listeners to turn off. I know there's a lot of single malt drinkers, myself included, who are dipping their toes into the bourbon well. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? Oh, oh, look what you did. Right? Thank you for pointing it out, though. Yeah, You're well, very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I do it every week for you, just so we're on the same page. So... So even if you're not a bourbon person, please, please, please stick with the podcast. We are still presenting this with you in mind. And hopefully there'll be some crossover for you. Yeah. That as a single malt drinker, you say, oh, yeah, that, that rings a bell. Yeah, that definitely makes yeah. sense. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, we're not we're not ignoring our single malt uh, drinkers. And now, and, go, go. Yes. And yes. To, and to add to I'm that. listening. Uh-huh. Add to that. Oh, you're going to do this. This is me. This is me doing it. Yes, you doing it. I'm doing it live. So, for our new bourbon listeners, I don't want them all to think that all we talk about is single malt. This is a whiskey podcast, period. Exactly. You and I, Jason, have a bit of a focus on single malt whiskey. However, we are equal opportunity... Um... Offenders? Dis- offenders? Discussers? Is discussers a word? Not really. Let's call the word. Let's call the word discussers of whiskey. That's with and without an E. Yes. And, so, and even our second episode with Brian, you and I were discussing whiskey a lot. A lot of the interview with him was discussing rum a lot. Right, right. And so it's a whiskey podcast that's happy to talk about brown spirits. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, um, so before you say it, oh, I'm going to tell you oh, right, that I have not yet told the listeners what it is we do. And I, we do this every week. Yes, I was going to give you some fresh shit for not doing <laughs> it. But you go on so, and do it. So here it comes. So we run an independent bottling company called Single Cast Nation. This, by the way, is the list of what we do. The things that we do. The things what that, that we do. Are what we do. <laughs> we run a whiskey festival called Whiskey Jubilee in New York City, Chicago, and Seattle. Right. We run Whiskey Geek Tours of Scotland. Right. Imaginatively called. Yes. Whiskey Geek Tours. Yeah. And. Yes. Joshua. Yes. We run a podcast called One Nation Under Whiskey, which. Oh. If listeners could rate 
tell their friends about, oh. review. It would help us a ton, and we would be most appreciative. So we're running an independent bottling company called Single Cast Nation. We're running a whiskey festival in three cities, New York, Chicago, Seattle, right? I've got those two correct, right? So far. Yeah. And then we also run something called Whiskey Geek Tours. Mentioned that. Yeah. And now we're running a podcast. Included that too. Where on God's green earth do we find the time to do that fourth thing? We we got a very nice comment from her whiskey love on Instagram yes. this week. Yeah, that's true. Asking us that very question. <laughs> and I think one of the things we've found is... If you're busy, you can always be busier. And Mm -hmm. we were running the independent bottling company, and we added the festival. We're running the bottling company and the festival, and we added the Whiskey Geek Tours. And we're running those three, and we added a podcast. I'm sure there's something else we could do. (laughs) Our families don't need to see us, right? (laughs) I doubt your kids like you, right? (laughs) I know my kids don't like you. No, that's not true. My kids love you. (laughs) <laughs> I can't say the same about my kids about hey, no. hey My cats, however, adore you. Yes. I'm a cat guy. I know it's really weird. I, I don't trust cat guys. Five five years into business with one. <laughs> Still waiting on that moment. Still waiting on it. The gotcha moment. <laughs> okay. But anyway, what are we talking about today? What's our focus? Our focus is, uh, it is based around our meeting with Eddie Russell at Wild Turkey. And the fact that we got to spend a few hours with him selecting casks in Warehouse A, um, which is a warehouse built sometime in the 1800s. He gave the year, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but... Yeah, 1800s. numbers flying yeah. out of that day. Yeah, well, well before you and I were born, Jason. Well before, yeah. well before. So that's that's what we're talking about today. And uh, now we did a few more things while we were in Kentucky. Spent some time with uh, our friend Travis Hill. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Very generous. Yeah. Really took good care of us. My first time meeting him. And uh, yeah, he, he was really digging the bourbon. <laughs> uh, also a Scotch guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had a great conversation with him. Yeah, this was actually my first time meeting him too. But, you know, online he's very active in some Facebook groups. And uh, just an absolute sweetheart of a guy. And he invited us to a bourbon meetup, which really ended um, our time in Kentucky. So a good way to, you know, uh, it was really a good send-off, if you will. Yeah, I would definitely throw in at this point of that um, if anyone follows me on Instagram, uh, I'm at Johnston Yellen. So John Stone Yellen on Instagram. And I posted my favorite bourbons from that bourbon <laughs> meetup uh, on Instagram. I was I was treated to a 25-year-old Lagavulin. Oh, that's a nice bourbon. That was delicious. Absolutely delicious. And... I had a, a, a Port Ellen distilled in 82, bottled in 2004, and wow. that that was terrific as well. It's a, this is one of the finest single malt bourbons you will ever taste. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a Cavalan, a crazy, heavily sherried Cavalan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I said it to a lot of the, a lot of the folks there, um, 
you can take the boy out of Scotland. It's hard to take <laughs> Scotland out of the boy. And when you've got classic Lagavulin, classic Port Ellen, and heavily sherried Cavalan on the table, I like bourbon. I'm, I'm starting to learn about bourbon. There's a hailstorm starting outside. I've pissed off the American god with these words. <laughs> wow, I hear uh, it. Yeah, there's going to be M15s flying overhead. F15s. It's it's getting crazy. Wait a second. Here. So is there a hailstorm? Are you are you in the tumble cycle? <laughs> you're watching machine. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they talk about hail the size of golf balls. Yeah, that's what's bouncing through oh, my garden right, right now. Collect Holy that shit. moly! So sorry, American God. Uh, the next time I have a bourbon <laughs> meetup, I will only have American <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> And now for something completely different. So the thing that we have talked about that was the thing that we talked about that we're now done talking about. Wow, it's like as soon as that record button gets hit, like shit just goes crazy. Like, now I see what happens to you, Josh. Okay. Now, oh wow. Now I've got sympathy. Empathy. Feel it in my heart. My heart grew three sizes this day. The more you talk, the more I have to drink. <laughs> I'm a glass and a half in. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the focus of today's episode, which is our time with Eddie Russell. Yes. In the Wild Turkey Warehouse. Yeah, you're standing in a little bit of history, standing in Kentucky. Beautiful setting. Uh, I think we've got a photo we, that we can definitely put up on our uh, one of our feeds somewhere uh, of the the view. From Warehouse A, I've got the the photo looking at Warehouse A, and then the photo looking from the front door yeah. of Warehouse A. Incredible setting, uh, looking down over the Kentucky River and the bridge that goes over the Kentucky River. Uh, Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, bucolic. Some might say. Oh, that is the word of the podcast. I, I, it'll be hard to beat that one. Bucolic's a good one. It's funny because <clears throat> bucolic always makes me think of like the bucolic plague. Yeah, I was just going to say I had a really bad case of bucolia. That's the bubonic. So bucolic, bubonic. It's all good in the hood. So we we go into the warehouse with Eddie, uh, who is the the ultimate host. You know, this is a guy who has been with the distillery. Uh, He just marked 36 years with the distillery. His dad has been there, um, you know, for forever and a day. I think he's 82 now. 83. 83. Yeah. 83 years old, and he still goes there every day. Every day. Puts yeah. in a, a few hours, greets the visitors. It is one of those things when you become an, an icon yeah. associated with a distillery. Um, people love seeing you there, love meeting you there. Mm-hmm. You're synonymous with that distillery. And it's a a real treat for people who have supported your distillery, bought your bottles, uh, told their friends about you, to then show up in Kentucky, and there you are. There you are sitting there. What a brilliant thing to to see. Right? What, a, what a great thing to, to have on your, your vacation checklist. Yeah. Met Jimmy Russell. Check. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that's really fantastic. Yeah, as far as whiskey life goes, that's a bucket list. 
for for, exactly. for a whiskey nerd, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and you know, Jimmy uh, is he has been inducted into the the Bourbon Hall of Fame, and uh, and Eddie as has Eddie, and that's what I was going to say. Eddie told us a little story about that, about you know how he oh, was yeah. inducted into the Hall of Fame, and uh, his dad, yeah, yeah. Um, I just really enjoyed that, and you hear the warmth in Eddie's voice as he's talking about that. Did your dad harbor a desire for you to to take over from him, even though you, as a, a younger man, kind of wanted to make your own? So, I, honestly, I think at the beginning, uh, I think he looked at it like, uh oh, my replacement. Oh, yeah, I really do. Okay, not that. I mean, he. Just was like he never gave me an answer on anything. He was like, just figure it out, okay. try this, do that, basically. Uh-huh. Now he did teach me the century part. He taught me the he taught me a lot of stuff, but it was more learning. But I do think at the very beginning, for a while, it was like, because I mean, our company when he turned sixty five thought he's retiring. They threw yeah. a big party for him and gave him a Rolex <laughs> and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he that was 17, 18 years ago, you know. So I think that was sort of thought, but with the day, because I actually, the first time they asked me if I wanted to become basically the master distiller and start doing some traveling and stuff, I actually yeah. said no. Yeah. Because I like this so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. It would you change know? your life a lot. Oh, I knew it was going to. Yeah. Plus, my kids were in sports. And yeah. so I got a little bit lucky that. By the time I really did much traveling, my kids were sort of grown. Yep. Nice. Nice. But the day, so I've only seen my dad cry twice, basically. Well, three times when his dad passed away. Mm. But when I finally said yes, because I told him no. Yeah. And our brand manager at that time, he's like, what do you mean no? <laughs> and I said, well, I just, I'm not, at that time, now it's constant, but that time I wasn't cool getting up in front of talking in front of people. It just wasn't my gig. Now, my son and my dad are, are fantastic at it. Yeah. Uh, so that, plus I didn't really want to do all that traveling because I was a homebody type guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, the guy said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to call you two weeks from today. You make up your mind. (laughs) (laughs) So sure enough, two weeks, first thing in the morning, the dude calls. He was our brand manager. He's like, what do you you think now? And I'm like, I still just don't think so. And then he threw some pretty good money on the table. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) And when my dad found out, I mean, he just broke into tears. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you, you know? (laughs) But then when my son came on board, I didn't break down in tears, Uh but you understand what he felt. Yeah. It's like, I built this. I want somebody to carry it on, and I prefer it be my blood, you know? Yeah, it's a big deal. And then the day he inducted me in the Hall of Fame, uh, he made me cry. He cried. I mean, because wow. that was a pretty big honor to yeah, father and son. That's very you know. cool. Very cool. Another very special treat that we get going around distilleries is that we often get to taste direct from the cask. Yeah. And obviously that's what we're doing with Eddie, specifically selecting a cask. And we get the, the honor and the privilege of doing that in other places. 
but he was he was telling me a little story. I don't know if we got this uh, on audio when we were with him, but he was talking about those wooden hammers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know the ones I'm talking about? They've got a real thick, heavy wooden head to yeah, them. Yeah, w- with a thin handle, right? And then a long, yeah, thin yeah, handle, yeah. exactly. And, and he's talking about, oh, you can't get those anymore. It ultimately got down to there was one person I was buying them from, and their factory burned down. And it's one of those things, right? When, when you're making wooden hammers, my guess is the big worry that you have in life is any part of your business catching fire. Mm-hmm. And so to lose that to fire was was a real shame. But as he's describing that handle to me, uh, or that, that hammer to me, I'm thinking about a, a Scottish distillery in particular that we've walked around yeah. that had that exact hammer and knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. Because as we were in this distillery walking around it, we got shown a very old trick yeah. and we got <laughs> to participate in a very old trick where that hammer that's used to pop the bungs on the casks, once you've got the bung popped, if you turn that handle around and you take the long, thin handle on it <laughs> and you put that in through the bunghole until you can't go anymore, you've hit the head of the hammer and you pull that out, if you cup your hand underneath that long handle, the whiskey from inside the cask will run down that handle. Yeah. You'll catch it in the palm of your hand and just... <sighs> Just suck it off the palm of your hand. Yeah, yep. used your hand as a little tiny cup, and you get a taste of the whiskey inside. And obviously, it's not a thing you want to tell people about. Oh, no. Certainly, you know you you don't want to uh, tell stories outside of school, as we say. But that was such a neat, neat trick. And separately from our conversation about the hammer, Eddie had a wonderful story about. One of his first times uh, (laughs) getting a taste from a barrel in a warehouse. Yeah, it was great. I came here with a year of college left. I was bottom man in the unit. So I rolled barrels, I dumped bottles, I stacked cases. But I started the first day over where our distillery is. It was Jay Warehouse. It's me and two other guys. We got out 90 barrels, 30 barrels apiece. That's what the crew leader told us. Yeah. I was in heaven. $6.53 an hour. Yeah. fortune back in those days 1981 yeah. I'm like this is the best job in the world but I still in my mind I was going to finish college and move to a bigger city because this is such a small town Sure. I didn't really think I wanted to work here and the second week on a Friday afternoon 21 years old we were in this warehouse mm-hmm. and the old crew leader which I grew up with everybody that worked here and I've known them my whole life the old crew leader was in his 60s and he comes up to me and he said come with me boy and we walked up to the fourth floor of this warehouse and there's a barrel just like this a <laughs> little older you know you gotta beat that bung out yeah. he reaches up and pulls that bung out. he said get you a taste of that so I'm like I was green I mean I brought a cup because I knew what they were doing yeah. but I didn't know how I was going to get it out because if I rode it over it may fall out or may lose a lot of whiskey, whatever. Well, he reaches behind and there's a piece of plastic tube. <laughs> so it's basically like you were ciphering yeah. out. And it was in, we had some different labeled stuff back in those days in 81. And I forget the exact name of it. Now it's mainly just wild turkey on the labels. But yeah. we did 
Oh, Green Meadows, Green, um, Green Meadow Springs. We did Anco, Austin Nichols. We did some yeah. different, yeah. just different labels. It didn't mean much because it was all the same whiskey. But he pulled that out and I got a taste. And to this day, I don't think I've ever tasted one that good again. <laughs> wow. It was like everything I liked and like I just stood there and it was like I could feel it go through every vein in my body and I'm like I'm not going anywhere <laughs> yeah, that's 36 years ago uh, yeah there's nothing like the taste of stolen whiskey <laughs> just so, uh, we were just saying there you go that's that's a better way of saying it um, that was the original quality control I absolutely loved that story you know there's a bunch of people that we talk to and they tell us these treats you know these gems and some of which we cannot share uh, or, or maybe we do and shouldn't I, I don't know hopefully we've never crossed that line but <laughs> eddie gave us the explicit permission to share that story which is great he did and after hearing it we were sure to to say hey is i gonna be okay on the podcast yeah, <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely <laughs> Um, so here we are with, with Eddie in the warehouse for one reason and one reason only. To spend time away from our families. <laughs> That's more of a peripheral reason. Extra, that was an extracurricular reason. <laughs> Cast selection. Cast selection. Um, and in fact, we... We went in there with the idea that we would be selecting just one cask. But in the end, we ended up finding two that we absolutely fell in love with. We did. And that's the the joy of tasting through so many different barrels with Eddie. Is he's telling us the warehouse it's from. He's telling us what he's yeah. learned about that warehouse. He's telling us about the floor that it's come from, yeah. uh, the flavor profile. And it's, and it's been great because he's never once said, this is your cask. Take, take this cask. No. Mm -mm. He's always said, if you're looking for X, I think that'll deliver here. If you're looking for Y, I think that'll be delivered in this different barrel over here. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's very good at leading us through the, the tasting of multiple barrels while you and I are having a back and forth on what we think of it, how does it fit into what we do. Uh, he was very good about saying, I'm only opening casts at 120 proof and above. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, listening back to some of our audio that we recorded, I found myself saying the word proof more than I ever had in my entire life. So here, here's an entire industry that has been, I wouldn't say built off of the word proof. Obviously, it's not. But when you're, yeah. when you're talking about bourbon and those growing up within bourbon, and Eddie Russell sure as hell grew up in bourbon, Yeah, he's talking about the proof. And I remember the first time going to see Eddie and... And, you know, I'm selecting the cask for the Whiskey Jubilee bottling. And uh, I said, you know, I'm, I'm really looking for something that's at least 61.3% alcohol. Uh, you know, higher would be better. But, you know, that's that's the target we want to get to. And um, 
And he kept on hearing 61.3, 61.3, uh, For our non-Jewish members out there, there are 613 commandments in the Bible. Forget what you've learned about 10. There are 613, and observant Jews look at 613 rather than 10. So 61.3 means something when it comes to bottling whiskey. So anyway, I'm telling him this, uh, you know, that, this target of 61.3 and he says he says you know if we're looking at these whiskeys here uh, 61.3 proof is not going to get you to bourbon legally it's not even bourbon there it's got to be 80 proof and i had to apologize again it gets back to me being so focused on abv and him and so many within the you know the american whiskey industry being so focused on proof he just heard 61.3 you know forget me saying abv he heard the number and he's thinking proof and so i had to say oh no 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 it's you know 60 62 point or 122.8 whatever the number was <laughs> How did you get to point eight? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I. <laughs> sh- 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 you just sit there. You just sit quietly. Um, it's interesting, though, because when we were in the warehouse and he talked proof nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Um, and and like like we do every week, I'm sitting with a whiskey in my glass here. I've got a Russell's Reserve again in honor of our time with Eddie, with a, a Russell's Reserve small batch ten year old. And right here on the label, ninety proof is in parentheses, and forty five percent alcohol by volume yeah. is the designated strength of this whiskey. And it's it's interesting that like like you've just said. He only talks in proof. Mm-hmm. He, a, ABV really doesn't mean anything to him. And, and he's a smart guy. He could half his proof numbers and know exactly what he's got with ABV. Just like you can multiply by two. <laughs> I can. You can. Only, <laughs> only one of us in this podcast can. But um, And so, so it's interesting for me to see that the label still shows 45. Why doesn't the bourbon industry... Just stick to proof on labels. Why is there an ABV on a label? All of the sudden, you have stolen my gears and started grinding them. No, no, no see, I have a curious mind. Oh. I don't get upset about things. <laughs> <laughs> but, but similar. And your children will be the first one to tell you that. Oh, our dad, he totally chill, totally chill. He never loses his mind to get us on the bus in the morning. Ah, totally chill. <laughs> Um, but you know, similarly, I have some wild turkey in my glass, and this is a uh, Russell's Reserve pick. This was a selection by our friend Bikram, uh, who we discussed in a previous podcast. And what's highlighted is fifty-five percent alcohol, and then separately or next to it, not highlighted, is not, not in parentheses. No, not in parentheses. It's you know, it's just. The 55% alcohol has a white box, you know, around it. But then blended into the rest of the label, it says 75 milliliters, 110 proof. So, so there you go. Anyway. Um, sure it's 75 milliliters? Did I say 75 milliliters? This is what happens, Jason, when we start drinking whiskey before we record and not whilst we record. 
Yeah, see, the, the whiskey oils my gears rather than grinds my gears. <laughs> so, um, going around with Eddie, and, and, and like you had said, you know, he would talk about, oh, you know, Warehouse M, that's where the fruity whiskeys come from. Right? Yeah. Warehouse K, those are the big bull. Big bold, you know, spicy whiskeys, yep. and 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 so on. And here's a distillery that has a singular mash bill for all of the bourbon they produce. They have a singular mash bill that they, they don't divulge their, um, um, you know, their mash bill at all. They keep they keep it secret. But the way that they determine what product is going to be what is by age, right? And by where that product is matured. Correct. And what I find so interesting is that, yes, it's all bourbon. Yes, you drink it and it, and it tastes like great bourbon. But the differences are as stark as, say, the differences in Four Roses bourbon, where they're changing up mash bill and yeast. And wild turkey isn't. Same mash bill, same yeast, same char on their barrels. I think he said it was a number three char. It's just, where is that being stored? Yeah, yeah, the the warehouse makes all the difference. I actually want to just pause here for a second. If we've got single malt fans uh, still listening, who are maybe not bourbon fans, (laughs) uh, used to count myself in that number as well. Uh, things have changed since coming to the U.S. and kind of exploring the American side of things a little more, obviously getting to know Joshua more, uh, learning uh, from him about bourbons. But uh, if we're used to in single malt scotch, if we're used to Dunnage warehouses, yeah. and they might go three high, uh, nicely laid on their sides, filling a, a stone earthen he, warehouse. He's, he's talking about the casks being three casks high. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And we know what Dunnage does. We've got 2% angel share allowed by the tax man, tax woman. That's evaporation. Uh, Evaporation. I'm glad I've got him here. He's terrible with numbers, but he's fantastic at letting you know what the hell I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, So so we know our our Dunnage warehouses and we know our our angel share. Yeah. Uh, In Scotland, we're now starting to see a little bit more of the palletized warehouses. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not a lot of distillery folk are fans of palletized warehouses but the the people who control the pennies love 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 the palletized warehouses so we're going to continue to see them in in all whiskey industries um but what they've got in these rick houses in kentucky is barrels on their side maybe three high on any one floor yep but then unlike a Dunnage warehouse, which may go one or two floors, now in Kentucky, you've got six floors. Seven some of them are floors. nine floors. Twelve floors with heaven right? and hell. Some, some of them are 12 floors. Um, and so when we're talking away to Eddie, we're in a, a six-floor rickhouse. Yeah. And he was telling us that, obviously, in, in your summers, all the heat is on the top floors. And I know for a fact that many, many, many bourbon listeners, uh, bourbon fans who are listening to the podcast, I know you know this. Uh, I'm, I'm telling this for people who have scotch experience. 
So you, your your top floors get really hot, mm-hmm. and the whiskey is just jumping out of those casks, right? It's just a crazy place. Maturation is incredibly fast up there. Yeah. As you come back down to your ground floors, much cooler temperatures down there. The the top floors are drawing the heat in the wintertime. They're releasing the heat. Yeah. And, and Eddie was telling us over the course of eight years, in, a, in any given warehouse, you'll have an aggregate evaporation mm. of 30% alcohol. No, 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 no. not 30% alcohol. What he said is you would have an aggregate evaporation of 30% volume. So he's exactly correct. Exactly correct. See, I I slipped back into my own single malt brain. Yeah, you're you're exactly correct. 30% loss of volume. And what's the evaporation rate, typically speaking? So 30% average every eight years or in eight years okay so you'll lose more a little more in the first few years and then it sort of slows down a little bit yeah Uh, but it's a government formula that they figured out years ago how to tax i mean these are (laughs) yeah (laughs) these are right now we're averaging about 146 to 50 bottles per okay okay Uh, i always tell people 180 to 200 just so they're not pissed off if it's a little more okay but for us because we're not lowering the proof that much now you're getting up here in proof so you're going to get a few more bottles yep yeah but <laughs> i try to make sure and i told the warehouse guys if you pick one up or you're rolling one that doesn't feel like mm. it's at least half full don't bring it okay yeah but last year i actually sold a barrel that had 48 bottles in it holy cow (laughs) so the guy was mad and then i said well why don't you pick another one there you go go. so was it was it 48 bottles was it a leaker was it just so it was several things probably i think it probably wasn't that short but as i do this sometimes my guys might come in here and move it that's why i've moved them over here to sort of keep them out of their way okay because if they come over here and I just got that bung like that and they yeah. turn it over on the side, mm. then I'm going to lose the whiskey out of it. Yeah. So they, they're they not paying attention to that. Uh, okay. Plus, they might be slipping a little out. Of and that's what... <laughs> <laughs> you and I, Jason, uh, went around basically, you know, all four corners of the bottom floor of Warehouse A. And we tasted mostly some nine-year-old stuff. And whiskeys from M Warehouse, M is in Mary, G is in George, K is in Kitten. Uh, then we also tasted some eight-year-old stuff from um, from Warehouse B, right? Yeah. Yep, from B. Yeah, boy. and and so what I will say here, because we went in thinking that we would pick a single cask, we we knew what we wanted to go for. Both you and I really enjoy big bold flavors. There's a reason that we select young Isla whiskeys, right? Big bold For in sure. your face. For um, sure. And 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 even some of our older whiskeys, you know, maybe we'll go for a delicate one here and there, but we like that boldness. And especially as it relates to bourbon, we want that in your face kind of thing going on. But as we're tasting through these casks. We're tasting more and more that we would say, 
oh yeah, okay, if, if this were the only one we tasted, we would bottle this because we would drink it. It's that good. Yeah. So, so we asked the question, is there a chance that we could maybe buy two barrels? And, uh, and the answer turned out to be yes, which was a good thing. So we... Amazing thing. Yeah. No, yeah. Let, let's pause right here and talk about how amazing that is. And, and, and we told this to Eddie. We are in a very unique position to be selecting casks from wild turkey where they are allowing us to bottle it, bottle their whiskey within our own livery, our bottles, our labels, our brand, our brand you know, the, the Scottish way of independent bottling, single cast nation, whiskey distilled at, wild turkey distillery, and yep. keeping the whiskey at full cask strength. Correct. Um, this is... Just as a quick aside, Joshua, what's the highest proof or ABV, you take your pick, that Russell's or Wild Turkey have whiskey on the market? So for a Russell's Reserve pick, a single barrel pick, any of their single barrel stuff is going to be 55% alcohol or 110 proof, period. So you'll go there, you'll select with Eddie, you select a cask, and it's, it's diluted down to 55% alcohol. And then comes in the wild turkey bottle with... Correct, correct, correct. Right. Um, now, they do have... Yeah. Sorry to interrupt again. But that really can speaks to the honor that we have got, where the highest wild turkey on the market is 110 proof, and we're only sampling barrels... 120 and above, yeah. that will be bottled at that natural cast strength. Yeah, and, and this is something that I wanted to expand upon is that's actually not the highest wild turkey there is. You can get rare breed, but rare breed is a blend of casks or a marriage of casks. I think that's a better term. Um, where they are bottling those batches at full cask strength. Mm. When it comes to the single barrel program, however, it is always at 55% alcohol. Gotcha. So having that honor is something that we do not take lightly. It's Correct. something that we are very grateful for, and, and and we know we have something very special. And um, we're just pleased as punch that, that Wild Turkey would say, would say yes to us when they say no to so many. Well, and we've talked about collaboration a lot through the, the first few episodes of our podcast. And this is another moment when we get to collaborate with Eddie Russell, Jimmy, right. Wild Turkey, yeah. the, the history there. And we get to do something incredibly unique. Am I right in saying we're the only independent bottler in the world to bottle single barrels from Wild Turkey with the Wild Turkey name on it? A true whiskey bourbon fanatic could potentially write in and say, oh, you guys are dead wrong. <laughs> however... <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> however, I, I think we're pretty fair in saying that, that we are the first and only to ever receive an honor like this. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that's phenomenal. That puts a little skip in my step. Yeah, it does. So, in uh, mine as well. So, the first cask we selected was from Warehouse K., um, distilled sometime in September 2007. And it was big, bold, spicy. And what I really enjoyed about this one was your comment 
regarding this particular cask. And rather than have you reiterate, let's hear what you had to say on tape. So you said M tends to be more fruity. And Not all the time, but I tend to get a little more yeah. fruit out of those. G tends to be more of that caramel, butterscotchy type taste. K is, is giving me some good barrels, uh, but they're, I haven't pinpointed what it's really giving me. I mean, it's, yeah. there's, the word you use is probably how I would have said it, but it is savory. It's savory, like thick, yeah. it's textural oh, yeah that's yeah. wonderful and i love that part of it i mean yep. the mouth yeah. feels a lot to me it's a yep. lot us yeah. too yeah which is why i really appreciate that your your regular picks are are non-chill filtered say, for me everything yeah. i'm trying to do is non-chill filter yeah. any of my limited time offerings yeah our corporate changed that we and we still have a quality control guy here that wants to chill filter everything so he always tells people it's got to be at least 102 proof or you got to chill filter. Okay. Well, the Masters Keep 17 year old was 86.8 and it was non chill filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it's about the water you're adding yeah, to it, is what it's about. Yeah. Yep. You know, I don't care how many chemical engineering degrees and <laughs> this you got. I got 36 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's really interesting this, really this interesting. has got so we'll lot. do another one of yeah. these just to see what you're getting out of yeah the, this this one has got me very happy i hope you take it as a compliment this to me is very scotch like where it's and i think it might be some of the savory notes to it it doesn't have the dill that i usually pick up mm -hmm. it's not quite as caramely not quite as sweet but it's got layers of complexity mm -hmm. to it. So when you're saying, K gives me something, but I'm not entirely sure what it is, yeah. I think it's complexity. It's, mm. it's no wanna, one note jumping out. I'm gonna get more barrels out of there later mm. on. Uh, right now, they just, they haven't, I haven't got through some of the other warehouses, but uh, what I've seen out there has been good, mm. you know. It was interesting. Uh, one of the things that you obviously don't see when you're listening to that clip is Eddie staring at me, wondering what the hell is about to come out of my mouth. <laughs> I uh, often wonder that. I often wonder that. And to his great credit, as a Kentucky gentleman, he didn't make any expression until the words had finally come out of my mouth. Um, but, but it is interesting to me, and, and I always felt like we had this with our single barrel Heaven Hill 15-year-old that we bottled for. Yeah. It was our yeah. first Whiskey Jubilee bottling. Mm -hmm. I always pitched that to people as a bourbon for Scotch drinkers. And I don't really know if I'm doing a disservice to the bourbon industry in saying it like this. But... The fact that you're shitting all over it, but go on. But I will say that one of the hardest things for me in coming from single malt scotch into bourbon was that for me it was a lot of corn it was a lot of sweetness yeah. it was a lot of caramel and not a lot of development obviously i was drinking introductory stuff off the shelf i've come to learn look for the single barrel releases look for the older ages i'm also very drawn to rye and rye spice um, and so you're finding bourbons that have a little bit more rye in them really works with my palate 
but also finding bourbons that have a little bit more age on them. Yeah. And on top of that, understanding how the rickhouse works, understanding that different rickhouses are putting in different flavors. Yeah. Um, along, you know, with that maturation. But, so I, I yeah. so I really was trying to give them this this compliment about complexity and layering. Um, and, I, and I hope it worked. Obviously, he's a bourbon guy through and through. Uh, but I really hope I got the message across that I really was trying to say something very positive and really not trying to shit on an entire industry. <laughs> right, stop that. Silly. I'm a bit suspect, I think. So now we're looking at the differences and getting back to wild turkey. The differences between you know, single barrels from warehouse K or B or G or, or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where some of the fun sort of gets in, in that single barrel stuff. Yeah, no, definitely fun for me to be there and, and start to have that experience. Um, but, but K definitely does have that bigger bombastic kind of delivery as a warehouse. Yeah. So, so second barrel, we initially got into it thinking, let's, look at something that may be maybe not a polar opposite but something that would be quite different from the whiskey in warehouse k and so we tasted whiskeys from warehouse m right and some nine-year-old mm-hmm. from warehouse m yeah and then we tasted some eight-year-old from warehouse b so yep. warehouse m wa- offered up those those fruity components warehouse b uh, being one year younger, offered up those sort of butterscotchy notes and those Correct. softer tones. And I remember the caramel coming yeah, from it. I remember the yeah. sweetness. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. Remember yeah. those differences yeah. in, in cask, cask from yeah. B. And then we got to the nine-year-olds from Warehouse G. Mm-hmm. And... While, yes, I am more a single malt whiskey lover than anything, when it comes to my bourbons, I love that mint, there's a minty note that you can get <laughs> from some bourbons, and I don't know where it comes from. And even Eddie had said, yeah, I, you know, I, as soon as you said it, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't call it that, but I know what you're talking about. Once I found that minty note, Said this is done. That's it. That's our second cask. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things for for the listeners of the podcast. Uh, I've read a lot of tasting notes where certain reviewers get mint, eucalyptus, uh, that type of thing, and I I desperately wish that I got that note, and I just don't. I'm just not wired in such a way. That You're not as, as advanced as some of us. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, Joshua can also needle Jason. Hey, uh, kitten has claws. Um, so, so when I hear people getting mint, I can often be a little envious of them. Yeah. So, so that's my little question for the the listeners. Do you are you one of those people that gets mint? On a tasting note, mm. do you get it on the nose? Do you get it on the palate? Are you wired that way? Are you the type of person like me who has friends, associates, random strangers you meet in the street uh, who tell you that they get mint manifesting itself, but but you you don't find it? So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, maybe, maybe you get mint every which way. You're a lucky, lucky beggar. Yeah. 
but it but it, you know I firmly believe you when you say it's there and it'll be interesting putting that out there uh, to see what what people who buy the bottles yeah. think about your your mint note put you to the test Hatton I absolutely loved our time with Eddie and and I'm glad that you got a chance to spend some time with him too in the warehouse. Yeah, yeah, absolute traditional Kentucky gentleman who made yeah. us feel more than welcome and as if we were the only people he had to deal with on that day. So, yeah, yeah many, many sincere thanks to him. Yep. Um, our conversation with him is over. Now, I think, is time for the news. History, history, read all about it. Life story of Playboy Penny. Extra, extra. So why don't you go ahead, Jason, and tell us, you've got some things on your list. I've got two very quick things, and then we'll come back to the wild turkey theme. Yeah. Um, let people know, tickets for Whiskey Jubilee in New York City mm-hmm. happening on June 15, selling very nicely, uh, just ticking along lovely for us. Uh, single Cast Nation members get the absolute best price in town. Uh, if you're not a member of Single Cast Nation, come join us, singlecastnation.com. Uh, just takes your free. email address. Yeah, just takes your email address. Totally free, easy peasy. Yep. And that'll get you 20% off your ticket for Whiskey Jubilee and gains you access to a whole bunch of the things that we're bottling here. Uh, so if you are already a member, drop us an email and we'll send along the, the code for you. Obviously, not the type of thing that we're going to broadcast widely. That no make a lot of sense. So drop us an email, um, either info at singlecastnation.com, info at whiskeyjubilee.com, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com, whatever one suits you the best. Second on my bullet list, Single Cast Nation Retail, uh, those incoming bottles continue to be on the water. Mm-hmm. We are still on schedule for landing and clearing customs by about the middle of April, uh, give or take two or three days on either side of the middle of April. And uh, and then we'll be getting those shipped out to their respective markets uh, across the United States. Exactly. So just nice to know things are on course there, not experiencing any crazy delays. Uh course tune in at the next podcast maybe i'll update you with a crazy delay because uh, i'm touching wood right now knocking on that uh hoping that we keep on the um lucky side of the whiskey gods <laughs> um, so, so those are those are my two very quick bullet points cover the news as quick as possible you're back to a couple of wild turkey themed bits of news yeah, given the uh the anger from the whiskey gods that you received earlier on at the beginning of this podcast it's nice to hear that the hail did not kick back up after you said that <laughs> uh, so I've got a couple of items to add to this as well. Uh, a good Nation member, Elliot Feinbloom, had posted on our Single Cast Nation Facebook page a uh, an auction that he had been following. And by auction, I mean someone had a Whiskey Jubilee Festival bottling and they put it up on one of the, the Facebook secondary market pages. Not that such a thing exists. No, uh-huh. they don't. They don't exist uh-huh. at all. Uh-huh. So I'm lying right now. Keep but, listening, Mark Zuckerberg. Totally fine. Just keep, keep, you do you. You do you. You do you. Yeah, good luck with your second part. You do you. So that, that Jubilee Festival bottling, uh, the last New York one, was a wild turkey. And it ended up selling for $815. <laughs> 
That's another one of those silly ones, isn't it? That's that's a lot of money. So that's we we sold it on the night, hundred and one dollars a bottle, and last June, and yeah. here we are in April. So ten months, ten months to get eight hundred percent on it. Yeah. So we are a company that sells whiskey to be drunk. Yep. Whether it is single cast nation or whether yep. it's whiskey jubilee. In the end, your bottle is your bottle, and we would prefer you to drink your whiskey, but it is your whiskey. Yep. But I thought that that bit of news was a good transition into basically our conversation that we've been having today, and that's our two wild turkey single cask selections. They will be for single cask nation online membership only, meaning you go to our website, you create an account online, which is free. And that gives you access to these whiskeys that we will be selling. Now, I guarantee you, these will be one bottle per person. Jason may fight me on that, and it may end up being two. But I'm going to say maybe it's one bottle per person. And while we don't have a price yet, um, it will be fair. Far more fair than $815 <laughs> per bottle. <laughs> Not if my wife has her way, just so you know that. <laughs> now, it is, it's one of those funny predicaments in which we find ourselves, which is the fact that your bottle could sell within 10 months for, for eight times its original price. And we know that Diageo has tried to head off some of the secondary market yeah. by increasing their original retail pricing. Um, that's, that's really of no interest to us. No. We, we know what we're paying for the barrel. We know what it costs for our glassware, our labels, our corkage, our transport, our warehousing. We, we know all of our pricing. It doesn't make sense for us to try and head off the secondary market. Um, I definitely want these to get into the hands of people. And Josh is right. I, I would definitely like these to be two per person rather than one per person. We are whiskey geeks first and foremost. We like to buy in pairs. We like to drink one so we're part of the, the conversation. Mm -hmm. And we like to store one away. So I'll, I'll fight Josh on that. I'll try and represent the membership on that one. So so it's, it's good to be on the inside. Uh, we have the private members-only Facebook group for Single Cast Nation members, which is how we even learned about the secondary pricing yeah, through on last year's Wild Turkey. Yep. We're not going searching for this. Um, we're, we're certainly not you know, flipping or, or buying our own bottles uh, on the secondary market. No. So, so yeah, become a member of Single Cast Nation. It'll really help you out, really keep you in the loop, uh, let you know what we're up to as well as listening to this podcast, and you'll get some discounts here and there and special bottle offers. Look at that. Perfect way to close out the news section. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, let's move on. I want to discuss misconceptions. God, if you really are God, you'll get me tickets to that game. Hi, the Leo, neighbor. Want to go to the game with me? I got two tickets. <laughs> Why do you mock me, oh lord? Oh, my, that's not gone. That's just a waffle that Bart tossed up there. I know I shouldn't eat thee, but... Mm, sacrilegious. It is that time in the podcast where we discuss common misconceptions. And and I'm going to play the, the trump card. You know, we are we don't use that phrase anymore. No, no. <laughs> uh, <Maga. laughs> uh, so 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 I'm going to uh, jump in here and 
<laughs> I'm going to jump in here and say that this week's misconception is one that, well, it's one that I think that you may have had prior to getting into bourbon, right? Go on. And I think it's one that some of our friends from overseas or our uh, friends who are single malt drinkers may have had, and that is that all bourbon tastes like bourbon. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of that feeling. There there really is. Yeah, and, and uh, j- just to uh, pick pick apart that a little bit, there's no doubt about it. Bourbon is bourbon, but there are there is such a wide variety of flavors within that bourbon box that is f- it's a far wider or a far larger box than than most people think. Well, even on the face of it, you've got the bourbons who are very high corn. You've got the bourbons who give some more of their mash bill over to rye. Mm-hmm. Some bourbons give more of their mash bill over to wheat. It really changes the flavor profile, really changes the texture on them. Mm. Texture is a big one. Good. Yeah, good point. Right, right. And we yeah. spent a lot of time discussing texture with Eddie yeah. uh, as well. Uh, so I'm glad it was really important to him as well. Um, but but just as much as people would come along and say, oh, blends all taste the same, same to them. Single malts all taste the same to them. First thing I do at my tastings with, with single malts in front of people. You tell them they're bonkers but, for having such a thought? I, no, I keep it to myself. Honestly. Oh, right. I keep it to wow. myself to begin with. And I give them the first that. one. And it's the first one of the day. And so they all say, that smells like whiskey. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that one. It smells like whiskey. Then I move on to the second one. And a very simple question I ask them. I say, does that second one smell anything like the first one? Yeah. And they go, no. And that's it. Then you've got somebody's attention. Mm-hmm. And you can do the exact same thing with bourbon. Yeah. Right? You, you can say, does that bourbon A smell exactly like that bourbon B? And if you've kind of done your homework, they'll say, no. Yeah. Now you've got their attention. Yeah. And so I think the mash bill is hugely important uh, in bringing about those differences. As you'd mentioned earlier on the podcast, there's not a lot of variety with the wood, right? You're using your new charred oak. Mm-hmm. There'll be differences in the char, some differences in the toasting, right? You might see those differences, but there's not really a lot of variability there. Then you get into exactly what we discussed with Eddie, which is the warehouse. Yeah. And I will allow Joshua to pick up the thread again on warehouse. Well, it gets back to not just warehouse location and and maybe how that warehouse is ventilated or not ventilated, uh, where the casks um, sit within the warehouse. I, I thought it was really interesting to hear uh, to hear Eddie say, you know, as we're as we're tasting all of these different different casks, you know, pointing to the ones that are at foot and face level, and he said, "I'd never bottle any of these because they're not going to get the uh, the flavors that they would get if they were sitting higher up in the warehouse." So, one thing that Eddie mentioned to me that that he didn't mention while you and I were there, so this was when I met him last year to pick the Wild Turkey uh, Jubilee bottling, Um, you know, they they move casks around. Oh, sure. Right? So, so they may start their life off on the first floor, but then they're going to move them up a few. And, And so... Getting back to what we had said before, you've got this distillery, Wild Turkey, that has a singular mash bill for their bourbon. Uh, 
that they don't divulge. Uh, but the flavor prof and they only use one type of char, number three char, and, th- and that is the the level of how much you're burning the inside of that uh, of that cask. Uh, and the more you do it, the higher level of char or lower level of char there is. And then there's something called toasting as well, which is a different process. Um, but they're dealing with the same mash bill and they're dealing with the same char. The only variables are where is that cask stored, what warehouse, what level in the warehouse, what floor, and how old it is. And you end up tasting bourbons that are vastly different. One cask is vastly different from the next. Now, granted, you taste it and you say, yes, that's bourbon, because you understand bourbon has that particular profile. But it can get beyond nuance. It really can once you get down to that level of barrel to barrel to barrel. Just closing this, it is a misconception um, that all bourbon tastes the same. There are some there are some large variances from release to release, and then when you get from single cask to single cask, this you know that statement remains true. Correct. Um, yeah. Correct. So, guess what we got kind of recently. Did we get an email? We got emails. We got tweets. We got uh, all sorts of messages. And I, I wanted to... There were two that I thought that we should bring up. Awesome. Yeah. Um, the first one I'll bring up, and then and then I'll let you bring up uh, the other one. And, and actually, we alluded to this in, in a previous uh, episode. Um, so Liz Cady, who has changed her... Um, Twitter name announced something about Miss Muddy or, or something like that. Is she going to uh, change it again after oh, we publish the podcast? Is yeah. she always moving? Is she on the run from someone? I think she might be. Either it, maybe she's just keeping us on our toes. That's awesome. Everyone yeah. should keep us on our toes. Which, as, uh, as we're drinking whiskey throughout this podcast, keeping us on us on our toes could um, could find us flat on our face. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, succinctly put, my friend. Succinctly put. <laughs> Never. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway. So this is from Liz Katie or at Jehoira Artificer. Maybe that's why she changed her Twitter handle. Yeah. So her uh, her question is or comment is. I would love it if you folks would talk about how your selection process differs between the nation and retail bottling. So, in other words, why do we select whiskeys specific for online membership, and why do we select whiskeys for our retail range? I think it's the type of thing that we're growing into as we're making more selections for each place. Yeah, I think the online remains a place for special projects. We have some very unique opportunities in the business because we have online membership. True. A particular bottling will never be on a retail shelf. Uh, You won't have competing brands. You won't have competing pricing. It'll just go into the online realm and uh, be sold out pretty quickly. And so I, so I think we have, have a lot of opportunities to expand the, the special project nature mm-hmm. of Single Cast Nation Online. And then the retail side of things 
gives us a chance to go in front of a wider audience to whom we're not selling directly. We're able to say to liquor store owners, you've got your clientele, you've got your base of people who trust your selections, who trust your palates. Mm -hmm. And in dealing with them directly, they're able to say, oh, you got a Glenn Talkers. Oh, you got a Glenn Rothis. That's the type of thing that my customers talk to me about. That's what they're yeah. in search of. And so I'm not so sure it's it's necessarily different in terms of the quality of the whiskey that we're selecting or the interest of the whiskey we're selecting. It's really how the two are sold. And we have got our base that we've built up over five years who know our palates, mm -hmm. who know what it is we do, what we select, and special relationships on top of that that are connected directly to online. While we have then got a retail line to sell to store owners who know their customer base, know what their customers are looking for. Yeah, I think I think the strongest point out of that too, and, and I thought your your description was perfect, but something that that needs to be made very clear. We are not selecting casks that we say, oh, this is better than this, that will go to retail, or that Correct. will go to online. In the end, when we select a cask, the process is the same. Yep. Does it have complexity from nose to palate to finish? Yep. Is it interesting? Yep. Does it have good texture on the mouth? Does it have good texture on the mouth? In the end, is it something that we would reach for? Is it something that's price competitive? Uh, if the answer is yes to those, then we say, okay, next step. And, and, and again, this is a bit of a learning process. We're growing into this, as Jason had said. We look at our portfolio and we say, okay, what are we offering to our online membership? And what are we offering for for retail or, or you know distribution, whether it's going to be on a retail shelf or going to be in a bar? We want to make sure that the portfolio for either platform is something that's comprehensive and there's a good selection. Uh, but yeah, we just want to make sure that... Um, Bases are covered, and so long as both bases are covered and we've met the criteria of, is this whiskey that we've fallen in love with and that we are comfortable in paying a price knowing that we're whiskey lovers just like people who buy our whiskeys, then it's just a matter of filling out that portfolio. Right? Am I right? Am I right or am I right? Makes sense. Yeah. So then we got a question from our friend, Jim Your Hendrix. turn to get it. Oh, you did get it right. So that, that's why I was trying to talk you there. Oh, right. The, the best way to get his name right is to not think about pronouncing it. Right. And you did. I, I was did. talking to you. You were listening to the words and you just said Hendigus, just like that. Yep, easy yep. peasy. Jim Hendigus. Whose goal is to be mentioned on every single podcast. Obviously, it's not going to come to fruition. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Spoiler alert. But, uh, what but yeah, great, great supporter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, cheers, Jim. Now, uh, would you like me to read this as well? Please do. I, I'm Unfortunately, I don't have it written down. So if you could All read right. it, that'd be tremendous. So uh, you will not hear your words back at you in a Scottish accent. Because I try doing a Scottish accent and I end up sounding Rastafarian. Uh, 
And that is not good. How to offend two groups of people at once. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so from Jim Hendigus, Jason and Joshua, I've been enjoying the podcasts. Thank you. That's nice. Good stuff, fellas. Since my goal is to be mentioned in every single episode, I have another, (laughs) I have another question. I bought a pricey bottle a few years back in the hopes of cracking it on a special occasion. Silly. I know. I should just drink the bottle when I get it, but the bottle is unopened in the back of my cabinet, and I'm wondering if there is any real value to holding onto a bottle for a significant portion of time. Is there a point when monetary value might supersede drinking the bottle? A parenthetical uh, comment here, i.e., I could get five bottles of something awesome if I sold this bottle. Or, if I plan to drink it, will it hold its shelf life? I would appreciate any insight. Thanks. Keep up the good work. See, shelf life is a completely different topic there. So, the the thing that I would say about shelf life is, once you you pop your bottle, by the time you get about halfway, you're fighting oxidation. Yes. Once you're halfway, either decant it into something else or drink it with friends. Um, That's the best way to make that work. Unless, Um, unless... The bottle was not that great to begin with. And sometimes oxidation can help a bottle. And I've seen that a few times. It can be, but ultimately you'll tip a scale. You will tip Uh, a scale. Either way, you'll tip a scale. Right. It will be finite on you. So, yeah, once you've got it open, just drink it. Mm -hmm. Just get it down. uh, One of the good recommendations I make when you first fresh open it, let it breathe for a day or two, uh, obviously with the cork still in it, and uh, (laughs) decant 100 mils of that into a 100 mil sample bottle. Interesting. Screw it up tight, put it away, label it, put it away in a secret hiding place, discover it the next time you move house or the next time you do a spring clean and go, I've got this fresh whiskey sitting right here. And then just drink through the bottle. So it's a good way to keep it fresh. The mistake I think that people make is they wait until they've got literally one inch left in their bottle that they have loved, 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 and they never finish that inch, and they leave it sitting for two years. Yeah. And then they go ahead and they say, oh, I'm going to finish this up, and they pour that final inch, and they go, this tastes like warm cardboard. This this is not how I remember it. It's like, <laughs> yes, because it's completely oxidized. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on completely forgetting. So I always recommend doing it the opposite way around. Decant it first, then go drinking the stuff. However... Go on. You were going to make a compliment. Go for it. I'll, I'll give you time for a compliment. Was it a compliment? <laughs> oh, you got a belly laugh out of me. Well, was a, that a true compliment? belly. No, I was going to shit all over myself. So I, <laughs> I've made, <laughs> and by that I mean verbally. No, it, no, it wasn't a compliment. It, it was well, me. I can't give you time then. <laughs> No, it was me, basically, uh, it was me about to say that I had done before exactly what you said not to do. You know, drink oh, we'll a, have. Right? Yeah. Drink a bottle have, down to yeah. an inch, and then and then you leave it because you got other shiny new bottles that you want to focus on. Yep. And then you get back to it, and you say, ooh, I remember how good this one was. Yep. <laughs> and then you pour it and say... Huh, that wasn't as good as I remembered it being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you start questioning, was it the, do, am I misremembering the whiskey? It's like, no, yeah. you gave the whiskey every opportunity yeah. to 
turn bad on you. Yeah. Which is a real shame. So anyway, that was the sign. That was the different topic that he asked about. Um, the, the having the special bottle, I think this connects beautifully to what we just covered in the news segment, right? Mm. Imagine you picked up a, a Whiskey Jubilee Wild Turkey yeah. single barrel last year. You paid $101 for it and you thought, oh, I've got some people in my life who love bourbon. I'll get this open with them at some point. This will be fantastic. And then... 10 months later, it's worth 815 on the secondary market. Yeah. How do you then open that bottle for a friend and say, yeah, I, I got this for 101. It's uh, it's 800 and something now. It's just how difficult is that? I've, yeah. I've got a friend, actually. Um, um, I want to I want to pimp his bar, but I don't I don't know if I should because the story is kind of a personal story. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play on the side of caution and not tell you who this person is. But I've, You're doing the safety dance right here. I am, safety, safety. So You're going to tell me wanna. I'm putting on my orange vest so that it's reflective and people can see me and not run me over. You can leave um, some friends behind. So I've got a friend who's on Isla. <laughs> could, I'm just ignoring you. Who's on Isla. <laughs> and if your friends day, don't dance and if you don't dance. When they release. Yeah. Go on, please. <laughs> so I've got a friend who is on Isla when they released Black Bowmore. And I think he says it was something like 100, 120 pounds a bottle when they released the Black Bowmore. And he called his wife in America and he said, I'm here on Isla. They're offering up the Black Bowmore. This would be the most money we've ever spent on a bottle of single malt. And she said, listen, I've trusted you this far. You've never steered us wrong. Go ahead and get it. And so say say he, he spent 120 pounds on it. He gets it back to America and he doesn't open it up right away. He's just sitting on it. This is a special bottle. Wait for the right occasion, just as Jim is saying here, right? Something will happen when I want to open this. A mm-hmm. few years go by. He's back on Isla, back on Isla with a friend of his. And he sees the Black Bowmore is for sale by the Dram at a bar in Port Ellen. Mm-hmm. And he, he says to the barman, oh, oh, how much is that a, a Dram? And the barman says, oh, it's 120 pounds a dram, <laughs> right? Holy and he looks crap. at his friend and he says, that's exactly what I paid for my bottle. And I've never tasted it. Should we spend the same on one measure of this as I did on the full bottle? Yeah. And together they decide not to, right? He oh. says, ah, it's 120 for the poor. I decided it was too much money. Should have done it. So he gets back to the US. A few years go by. And this bottle just starts increasing in price, increasing. And he says it got to like twenty four hundred pounds a bottle, and there was no way he could open up his hundred and twenty pound version of it. Mm-mm. But he also didn't want to sell it, and so <laughs> he sits on it. He sits on it. And what's Black Blowmore worth now? Like depends who you ask, but at least six thousand pounds, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Right, at least the, the first release for sure. Second release, not too far behind it. That's a right. 1964 sherry matured Bowmore. Yeah, right. Abs- absolute cracking, cracking, cracking whiskey. But now it's sitting at at least six thousand pounds a bottle. He bought it for 120. He has no idea what to do with it. It's and, a paralyzing and one, moment. And one time I went over to his house and he said, "I'm not going to open it, but I'll happily show you the black Bowmore." Couldn't find it. <laughs> He misplaced it somewhere in his own collection, and but you know he knows it's around somewhere. So, yeah. <laughs> but but it's it's that type of and you, you just hit you just hit it out of the park with your word choice. It's that type of paralysis. That's what Jim's talking about here, and and my advice would be 
that bottle means a ton to you for when you bought it, who you were with, what stage you were at in your whiskey development, how much money you spent on it. Like that that means more to you as a as a whiskey drinking person. Yeah. than it will getting a numerical value for it. What I would say is if you know you don't like the whiskey, then start to think about what could I sell this for? How many yeah. bottles that I like could I parlay this into? But given that you you more than likely will like the whiskey, hold on to it. Wait till a kid has a special birthday. You know, you know, make it your first dram when your kid turns eighteen uh, or you know twenty one if you want to be American about it. But um, yeah. You know, don't give it to them when they're fifteen. So, so, so that that's that's my type of advice. What about you, Joshua? Well, I find myself in a very similar position with with our our good friend Young Jim here, in that I have some bottles that I've been sitting on for a while, and and I've bought them for the price they should be at. You know, I'll give I'll give the example of uh, Ardbeg Alligator, the committee release. You know, I bought that for, I think, $89 a bottle. And that's trading for 350, 400 pounds on on Scottish auctions. And part of me gets, gets very tempted to say, oh man, if I sold that, I can get whatever. You know, in, yeah. in, insert, insert the next shiny bottle here, yeah. or shiny bottles here, or, you know more everyday drinkers here, right? But but I don't. I, I, I hold on to them. I, I get down to this. You know, if if you, like you had said, if you know you like the whiskey and you are in a financially comfortable position. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to slide out of that financially comfortable oh. position when you buy a lot of whiskey. I mean, the more we make America great again, it's going to get harder and harder. But, you know, depending on your financial position, if it's good and you know you love the whiskey, hold off. Wait until, you know, your kid graduates from high school or college or, whatever. you know, some sort of, you know, your child gets married, whatever it is. Or, or like me, I'm... I'm the birth of your first grandchild. It just gets later. The chronology just keeps right? getting pushed off. And then one day you get hit by a bus. And none of this comes e- to fruition. E- exactly. And and so I was going to touch on that. So I have some bottles that I've been holding on to. One for when my oldest daughter becomes bat mitzvah. Nice. And one for when my youngest daughter becomes bat nice. mitzvah. And not too far away. Yeah, not too far away at all. And uh, but you bring up a very good point. Life is so insanely uncertain. Yeah. I guarantee everyone who is listening to this podcast can, within 10 seconds, think about a friend, family member, or something they read online where someone's life was taking far too quickly. Yep. Um, and and the, <laughs> so you're always riding that line. But uh, if you can hold on to it, hold on to it. If you're not that interested in it and, and you think you can sell it, do it. it. It becomes that personal choice. Agreed. Agreed. And thanks to Jim for the question. That was a conversation that you and I thoroughly yeah. enjoy having. So yeah. thanks for him. Yeah. Thanks to Jim. Thanks to Liz. Liz, which is at 
Oh, geez, I lost my phone. It'll, it'll have changed by the time this podcast goes out. So. <laughs> so so thanks to Liz. Thanks to Jim for sending us their questions. Uh, if you have any questions for us, it's questions at one nation under whiskey.com. And as I say every time, that is whiskey, of course, without the E. And thank you, Jason, for for meeting with me all, every single time to have this wonderful conversation. I do my best to be here so that I can do the math and uh, give you appropriate word choices. Yep, yep. Um, and Need thank me. you for being here, yep. since you're often my interpreter uh, for the <laughs> listeners when I'm just speaking in vague terms. Um, as we said in the beginning of the, the podcast, please do rate us. Please leave a comment. Please tell a friend about us if you're enjoying it. Uh, if there's something you think we could do different with the podcast, drop us a note at questions at, at uh, One Nation Under Whiskey. Uh, dot com. Love to hear from you there. Look us up at uh, Instagram. Oh, we haven't really posted Instagram. Look us up on Facebook. Uh, One Nation Under Whiskey. Go like us at, at uh, One Nation Under Whiskey. Yeah, on yeah. Facebook. We we do have an Instagram account, and that is at One Nation Under Whiskey. And, and we, we are, really should post in it. And we should. And by we, he's looking at me and shooting darts. I am. I am. Um, Social media. And yes. and and you can find us on Twitter, which is at One Nation Whiskey. And. I think that's it, Jason. That's it again. Another uh, two weeks until you hear from us again. Uh, Thanks for all listening. Right. All right. Talk Cheers. To you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.